Amen. Um, gosh, excuse me. Have y'all ever just said, like, come, Lord Jesus? Like, like, please just come now. Like, I'm, I'm feeling that right now. Um, I yelled at a lady this morning um, at Starbucks, speaking of random coffee house encounters, as Megan was talking about. Not because I was mad at her, but for, for the reason that I'm saying, like, come, Lord Jesus. Like, can you hear me? Like, I, I can't hear you. Like, she, I'm listening, so I'm, I'm listening to music, and I see her say something to me. So the combination of having music in my ear and not being able to hear anything, I, I yelled, like, what? And, and then she looked at me kind of puzzled, and then I was trying to clarify, and it was a, a weird moment, and finally I just had to let it go and tell her what time it was. Um, but, like, I, I'm tired of feeling this way, and we all come to these moments of just saying, like, come, Lord Jesus, and we hear that phraseology all the time, and it's kind of said sometimes in, like, real sense of, like, come, Lord Jesus. Other times it's just kind of in pop culture. It's kind of a funny meme even, um, and we kind of hear that. But the context of why it's said is universal, and it's always said in some kind of reference of like ending the misery or like delivering me from this present reality. Um, so we, it's always this kind of sense of like, come on, end this misery. Get, get me out of this present moment, whether it's lighthearted or whether it's real. And, and let me tell you, that's, that's Advent. That is what, like, that's why we've been taking these, these focuses over these last few weeks and for the week to come of Advent. Because, again, Advent is from this Latin word Adventus, which is come to come. And so it's this sense of anticipation. So this, this come, Lord Jesus, deliver me from my present reality. Deliver me in this misery, in the struggle. That's Advent. It's, Advent is what Israel experienced as they waited and yearned for, the, for their Messiah, for the coming of their Messiah. It's what we it cry out as we wait for Christ to return. So this Advent, this, this anticipation, it is the longing for shalom. It's why shalom is our theme throughout this, throughout this season. Uh, just that we talked about before, shalom's enemy, shalom promised, and now shalom together. Shalom is the reality of God's promised peace. And so, we, so that's what we know, that's what we're longing for, for us to be restored to that which God created all things to be. Because of shalom's enemy, which is sin, we, we live in a fractured experience. We live at odds and kind of off-center with ourselves, with each other, and with God. But because of, um, because of the shalom that is promised in Christ, we're not hopeless, right? It's not, a, it's not a futile existence anymore, even though there is futility in our midst. It's not futile anymore. It's not hopeless because of the shalom that was promised in Christ. As we talked about last week, the moment that shalom was interrupted, the moment that this fracture happened in all relationship, God made the promise to what? He made the promise to redeem us. He made a promise to redeem us, the very ones who had rebelled and sinned against him. And he made that promise to redeem us by the one who was to come, Jesus Christ. God carries that message of the covenant of peace all throughout Scripture, and he shows us this picture in the last book where he promised all would be restored. So he promised to redeem, and he promised to restore all things where there would, there would be the day that there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, and no more death, the day where all that is sad becomes untrue. That's shalom. That's Advent. That's what we're longing for. It's the sense of anticipation. It's what we are yearning for. It's what we are crying out for. So today, our idea, as we said, is shalom together. 
Shalom together. It's this peace. And what we understand is that the peace of God comes through restoring what was fractured. And what, we, and what did we say was fractured? Relationship. Relationship with one another. Relationship with all of creation. And relationship with God. So peace with God comes through restoring that which was fractured. Today, we're going to look at three areas very quickly. Three areas of relationships that God will ultimately restore perfectly, that we are invited and even commanded to pursue today as we pursue shalom. So to pursue peace, to pursue completeness and wholeness is also to pursue these completed, refractured relationships. Let me pray for us. God, um, we thank you for your love. Lord, we praise you for who you are, Lord. You are a holy God, Lord, above all. Lord, as high as our minds constrain to think of your majesty, of your sovereignty, of your worth, Lord, we will still hit a limit far below what is actual truth of your worth. Lord, higher than the heavens, you are there. Lord, we can't think higher than the heavens. Lord, and yet you are here and you are near. You came and you took on flesh. You took on, you took on dirt and filth and pain and death in Christ for us. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your heart of mercy and of justice and of grace and of love and of peace has never wavered. And so I pray for today that right now in our midst that our hearts and our eyes would be open to see Lord, your promise, your truth. Lord, let us be a people that abide in peace and a people of peace, Lord, for your glory and for the sake of the world that you love. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to John 14. That's where we're going to start today, as we've been doing throughout these series. We're going to kind of be jumping around a little bit, but we'll start in John 14. Um, the passages will be on the screen. You can also use the YouVersion Bible app. Click on the More tab in the bottom right. Click on Events. We'll pop up. You can follow along there. If you like a hard paper Bible and you don't have one, there should be one near you under a chair. And if you don't have a Bible at all, please take that. That's our gift to you. And if there's not one that, that, that is not all beat up, we would love to let you trade that out to one that's a little bit newer. So you don't have to take a beat up one. Um, so yeah, so John 14 is where we'll start. Before we get there, though, thinking about this, what is the first area of restored relationship that God works in restoring shalom? At this moment, when I think of this question, this first area of restored relationship that God works, I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm taken to you know, Linus's great lament in Charlie Brown's, Charlie Brown's Christmas story, right, where he's standing on the stage, and he's been in the chaos of all the distraction, and he just cries out. What does he cry out? Um, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And then what happens? He, he goes on to recite Luke 2, right? And so the answer is it's all about Jesus. And so as we think about this first question of what is the first area of restored relationship that God works in restoring his shalom and our shalom, it comes back to Jesus. Let us be reminded that there is no peace without Jesus. There's no peace without Jesus. Shalom's promise of peace is not just environmental or circumstantial. It's not just an elimination of chaos. God's promise of peace, the shalom, it is internal. It's a matter of our hearts 
and it's also eternal, a matter of our salvation. And neither one of those are dealt with without Jesus. Without Jesus, all we deal with is the external. All we deal with is the temporal. But with Jesus, we deal with the heart and we deal with our salvation. John 14, 27 says this. This is Jesus talking. Hear these words. This is to you, by the way. So hear this. Jesus, talk, Jesus is talking to you. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. He says, not as the world gives peace. Again, how does the world give peace? Again, it's, it's external, it's circumstantial. The world gives peace. You achieve peace by the world's standards by, by what? By, by getting approval of others around you, right? That's peace. Like if they like you, if they agree with you, if they, if they say you've done a good job, or even more so, you, 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 receive, you, you attain peace by the world's standards by achieving more than the next person. What is your metric? What is your standard? It's doing better than the next person. That's your, maybe that's your sense of peace. Another way that the peace of the world comes is, is by this thought of nothing going wrong, right? It's the lack of chaos. And how do we get to this lack of chaos? We either get there by, by, by you know, avoidance of anything meaningful, avoidance of anything meaningful, not taking any risks, therefore we don't suffer, we don't face trial. Or maybe if it's not that, it's just a matter of time because it's just impossible to avoid all chaos. It's impossible to avoid things falling apart. Because if you're honest, what you know is there's really no such thing as worldly peace because it's all just so fragile. It's all just a breath away from tragedy. And so how in the world can the world bring peace if it's just a breath away from crumbling? So Jesus says, not as the world gives you peace. He says, no, I give you a different kind of peace. I leave with you a peace and I give you this from me. So let not your hearts be troubled. The peace that Christ gives, this is it, that you are once again together with God. So this is the first area of relationship that is restored, that we are restored to being once again together with God. This is our first area of restored relationship that we are to pursue today. This is, we are made together with God once again by his gift of righteousness to you, by grace through faith. All throughout scripture, we see this phrase called the, right, the peace of righteousness, and we see that we experience over and over again this promise of peace, of righteousness that comes through righteousness. And what does that sound like to you? Because when you think of righteousness, do you think about right living? Do you think about like moral living? Because that's part of it, right? But what we know is that righteousness is not attained, not attained by us. Righteousness is not ours to achieve. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Righteousness is achieved for you by who? Jesus. That's right. And so this piece of righteousness is not your work. It is the work that Christ has accomplished in you. The fact that he is taking you from guilty and estranged and an enemy of God and made you innocent and, and wholly a part of the family of God. This is this piece of righteousness. So the peace that Christ gives you is the very piece of salvation, the very piece of restored relationship being brought back into the fold of God. 
you are together with once you are together with God once again because of the righteousness of Christ that you've been given by grace through faith in him you are made innocent and that relationship is restored we are together with God in our victory over sin and death as he is victorious so are we you are together with God and that you have a new heart and you have a new heart and you and you've been made a new creation all things new in God. You are together with God that we are made whole and made clean. Your conscience doesn't have to bear that weight any longer because Christ has taken that. He's taken the filth and he's given you the cleanliness, the purity. He's given you all that he is. And we are together with God in our new purpose. So we don't have to be troubled or be afraid, because our peace is not of this world, but is birthed straight from God in Christ. I mean, it makes me, I don't know if you if y'all remember our friend Charles, um, uh, just a dear friend, a, a homeless man who just battled all sorts of hardship and, and struggles and, and, and demons in his life. And we were having a conversation one day, and, and, and he was talking, he was kind of asking the, the common question of, well, I mean, how can the man upstairs be good if all this crap happens? You know, how, how, can, I, how can I have peace if I can never get out of all this? I mean, this is a man who, who deals with addiction, who lives on the streets, who is hardened and faces a lot of hardship. You know, and, and we sat there and we talked about the wonder of the promise of, of, of God in Christ is that you could know a peace and a joy that is, that is in the midst of any hardship and trial. That God's grace is a sweet salve to your soul. And up to that moment, I never knew if any word I ever said resonated with him. I never knew. It was always like just some non-sequitur, spider-webbing, esoteric, just ramblings, and I would, I would think I would just say the most amazing, eloquent things, and I was like, this is going to be it, and, and then it would turn into some conspiracy. And in that moment, like, you saw, you saw the truth of God and the grace of God in Christ pierce through, and this is the promise of the peace of God. And when we say that the peace of God works internally in our hearts and eternally in our salvation, this is why we can have peace today when we are store, restored um, together with God once again, because our peace is not of this world, but is of Christ. So we pursue um, living together with God as he had made possible in Christ. So next we see that we are to pursue living a, a life, uh, living together as the family of God, the church. So the first area of relationship that was restored is living together with God. Now we see the second area is to living together as the family of God, the church. In Christ, we share a name, we share characteristics, we share traditions, values, goals. It sounds a lot like a family. We're told that we are adopted as sons and daughters, fully adopted, given full rights as heirs. That's family. Look at the way of life we are to pursue together in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Um, it, it'll be on the screen. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another 
And if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you see what we're being compelled to here? We're being compelled to live together as the family of God, extending to one another all that God has shown us, all that God has shown you in Christ. Look at verses 12 and 13. He says, um, you put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if you have a complaint against one another, forgive each other. Why? Because the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. What we're being told here is that we are to deal with each other the way that God has dealt with us. Has God showed you compassion? Absolutely. Has he shown you kindness? How did he humble himself? He humbled himself by taking on flesh, taking on the form of a man and not stopping there, but taking on death. Do you realize the author of life, the sovereign king over all creation, subjected himself to its rule for your sake, to its, to its sentence of death for your sake? Is that humility? Meekness. Did God defer his claim to power for you? Did he, did he defer his, his right to say, bow down, I should smite you? Did he defer his right to that? He did. That's meekness. Has he shown you patience? How many times have you said, oh, God, I'm sorry again? When am I going to learn? You're writing in your journal, and you're like, crap, I can just copy the page five pages ago. It's the same thing. Right? Like, how many, like, is God patient with you? Just bear with one another. If you have a complaint, I mean, does God have a complaint against you? Ouch. Does he, so he bears with you and he, he forgives you. So, our opportunity here as the family of God is to deal with one another the same way that God has dealt with us. So, you're not in the dark. You're not left to wonder how we should treat one another because you've been treated that way. And once again, it starts with Jesus. We can't just go set about like figuring out how we're supposed to behave. We're invited into the heart of God. And as we come to know God more and walk with him and know Jesus more and, and experience the grace and love of God in Christ, that's how we are equipped to deal with one another. That's what we are invited and compelled to extend to one another. So deal with each other the way that God has dealt with you. Do you see the picture painted of our way of life? Look, look at those verses. You know, he says, put on love, bind, be bound together in perfect harmony. Uh, let, the, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You are called as one body. All different, but needing one another. Be thankful for what you have. Can I just be really transparent for a second? Like, this, was, this, this right here was where I'm sitting over here this morning, and I, I, have, I have fleshly motives that I battle against all the time. 
And as I'm sitting over here and I'm, I'm watching the room kind of trickle in and there's not many people here for the first 15 minutes, I was not thankful. Just to be really transparent. I was, I was like, man, where's everybody at? Don't they care about this? Don't they? You know, I'm like, and, and the Lord just slapped me or something. He stopped me, and I'm thankful. And he's like, he, he's like, hey, where's the peace that I've given you? Where's your satisfaction in me? Where's your, where's your invitation to be thankful? And man, like, I, and then I was like, and this is, I, there weren't this many people in here or a minute ago when I was in this moment. And I looked around, I was like, and I started looking at each of the people that weren't here. And I was like, gosh, I am thankful for that person. I'm thankful for that brother. I'm thankful for that sister. And I, and again, once again, I can, I can think of very specific moments that so many of you have played in my life of, of speaking life and truth and, and, and care and, and rebuking to me over our, our life together. And, and man, what a gift. But I, I mean, this was difficult. I mean, this morning, I'm like, I'm not thankful, but he's saying to a way of life of being thankful for what you have. It is, it, it is not your place to be perfect. Christ has been perfect for you, and it is your place to walk alongside one another, extending the same patience, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and bearing one another. And if you have a complaint, forgiving one another that I have done for you. That's your opportunity today. So praise God. I'm thankful that I got to go through that really stupid, selfish moment because I look out and I'm so grateful for you guys. And I'm grateful for how God is working in our midst. And I'm just grateful for you. So this way of life, it's, it's time. You see this? It's experience. It's shared joy and trial. It's, it's taking responsibility for one another, both for care and for teaching. Do you see that here? There's no orphan children in the family of God. There are no orphan children in the family of God. Sadly, that is not everyone's experience. And so if you feel orphaned, I want, to, I want you to know you are not you're invited in. And I know that maybe you feel that way because you have actually experienced this, this sense of like you cannot penetrate this, the, a community. Um, and so I want to invite you in and I want to I just offer grace to that. Uh, and then for, for any others, I want to say that we, again, we, we've been given the, the joy of being responsible for one another. We've been given the joy of having hearts and eyes open for each other's lives. If not us, then who? Right? We, we shepherd one another. What do shepherds do for their sheep? We are both shepherds and sheep at the same time. Can you fathom that? Like at one moment you're the shepherd where you're chasing down your friend who is about to run off a cliff. The next moment you're the sheep that you're, like, someone better be chasing you down. That's, that's our reality. And, and Imagine a life without each other. Both shepherd and sheep. I'm smiling because that wasn't in my notes, and it just came up, and I really like it. Um, that's good. Um, but, you know, we all, we all want to experience the power, the presence, the peace of God. And, and, and while, again, we've said this so many times here, while, while Jesus is the only hope we have, the only promise of peace, the only one who satisfies the way that God has created and designed and worked, it flows through the body of Christ. So we cannot, we cannot hope to experience the power, the presence, the peace of God without the people of God. We are a family. So how are you pursuing li the life of shalom lived together? 
And so God has re- he's restored our relationship with him through Christ, so we pursue a life together with God. He has given us a common fellowship in Christ, so we pursue a life together as the family of God. But this work is not just for us. It's not just for our family. Our family has a purpose. We've got a trade. We've got, we've got a common call. We all do, every one of us is part of our family guild. We all do. Because we are together with God in relationship and purpose, we are to also be about his work of redeeming and restoring all of creation. The last area we see that God has restored relationship is that we are to pursue life together with all humanity. Look at this fulfilled vision of this in Revelation 7. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the promise of what what will be. This is the promise of what will be. Every tribe and nation and people and language, they will be worshiping God before, you know, worshiping before God together in perfect unity and harmony. Without any thought of difference, celebration of all of his majestic, diverse creation. Right there before the throne of the Lamb. This is the promise of what will be. And if and if you don't know it, our opportunity in this life is to live a life unto what will be. So that's where our, our hope of our future hope is also present. That's where our peace of all promises fulfilled is also a peace for now. And so just the same with, the, with this picture of, of restored relationship of all humanity, although we will always fight the fracture of relationship, we are to pursue this reality now. We as the family of God are perfectly suited and equipped to pursue this now. The people of God as the carriers of the covenant of peace and the receivers of God's blessing, they have always been meant to extend that blessing to the entire world. It was never meant to be a place of privilege that they hold over everyone else. Look at the very moment that this covenant was established in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a what? Let's hear it again. A what? Blessing. Thank you for the same ones that said it the first time, just saying it louder the second time. That's good. Next time, more people say it. That's the goal, okay? (laughs) He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be well done. This was always the plan. God didn't call an audible. This was always the plan. Always. That the blessings that the people of God receive are meant to be a blessing for all peoples to experience and know the goodness, the sovereignty, the majesty, the holiness of God. It is by the very work of peace that the world would observe the supremacy of the love of God shown in Christ. So as we see that work of, p- of peace amongst us, the world would observe it and see John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
So we see this picture here that, that God's peace amongst us, being lived out amongst us, treating one another the way that he has treated us, will woo the world to his glorious peace in Christ. We must realize that what we are doing on this mission of living together with all of humanity, we have to realize what's at stake. We are doing nothing less than striving to help all of creation live toward what it was created to be. Just as you have experienced that restoration, just as you once were lost, just as you once were at odds, an enemy of God, a part of the enemy's camp, go read Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, 1 through something, might be 3 or 5, one of those. You'll get it if you go through there. Um, You'll see this picture that we were, that's who we were. We were dead in our sin, part of the enemy's camp. Remember you were there, And, and only because you were wooed to God in one way, shape, or form. Are you where you're at now, if you are in Christ? So we are striving to help all of creation live toward what it was created to be. There is a force of evil, right? Satan and his demons are real. They seek to kill, steal, and destroy God's order, God's peace, God's shalom. Now hear this, when it comes to God's shalom, All people in this world are either, when it comes to destroying God's shalom, all people in this world are either perpetrators of destroying it, they're part of the crime of destroying God's shalom, of fighting against his restoration, or they're enablers. Maybe they're not actively destroying, but they're they're making the way for things that are against God's design for human flourishing. Or they're a bystander. They think by not doing anything, they're not making it worse, so they're actually for God's peace, but they're just a bystander. Or they are an opposer to the destroying of God's shalom, and they're fighting back the tide. They're fighting against that which, which, which spreads the fracture even greater. The opposer is advancing the front of peace, the kingdom, revealing the kingdom of God. So we, if you are in Christ, if you have called on him as Savior, you have been brought into the family of God, we are called to go to the dark places. We are called to go into the need just as Jesus did. We are to enter into the filth and the pain. We are to fight for peace and justice wherever, whenever, however we can. We are to hold up the banner of Christ because without him it is all for naught. Without him it is only temporal, it is only circumstantial. We bring peace by bringing Jesus. We bring Jesus by, by, by always treating and living the world around us the way that we have been treated in him and then proclaiming whenever the door is open. Peace, our peace is in Christ alone. And he told us to go into all the world and making disciples. And to make a disciple is to make someone who knows Jesus and follows Jesus. And as we know, that is where peace is. So making disciples we bring peace through Jesus. <coughs> At the end of that commission, Jesus says, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. I'm with you always to the ends of the age. You are together with God because of me. Do not fear. And we also see it over and again that we don't have to be afraid 
in the earthly sense because we're not alone there either, because we are together with the family of God. So today, if you need peace with God today, if you need peace, you need peace with God. Call on Christ who gives peace. He will come and save. He is faithful. If you do that today, please come find me or Kurt. Um, Kurt, raise your hand. We would love, he's one of our other elders who's here today. We would love uh, to talk with you. Or if you're, just, if you're in a transformation group and you know your group leaders, feel free to go talk to them as well. Um, so if you need peace with God today, if you need peace at all, know that it starts with peace with God through Christ. Call on Christ. If you are a Christ follower, I want to ask, are you pursuing living as the family of God, extending to one another all that God has shown you in Christ? And then asking us this, how are we opposing the killers of peace? If we are anything but opposers of this destruction of shalom, we are not doing the work of Christ. We're not living out our purpose, our identity, our new life. Don't be a bystander. Be an opposer. So be a purveyor of peace, striving to help creation experience what it was created to be. Shalom. Let me pray. God, um, what a, a gift of a word, of a truth, to hear in the midst of such trial and struggle of the daily life, whether it be the mundane or the tragic, or to hear that there is a peace that surpasses understanding, to hear that it is a peace that is not just temporal or circumstantial, but that is starts in our hearts as Christ gives us a new heart, new, makes us a new creation, and also has the eternal work of our salvation that brings us an incorruptible hope. So Lord, I pray that we would always start with Jesus abide in Jesus and end with Jesus, knowing that he is our only way to peace. So I pray for all in this room, if there are any who are in need of Christ's peace, of salvation, give them the humility and the courage to surrender now to find new life. Give them the courage to share it with someone. Lord, and for all those that are in Christ, Lord, um, let us be encouraged. Lord, let us be inspired. Let us be uh, convicted to live a life um, out of this life together with you, um, pursuing a life together as the family of God and pursuing to bring together all of creation and humanity and, and as you use us, God. Continue to work through us. Let us respond well in this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.